Welcome to Board Game Buddies, a podcast all about playing games with your pals, your friends. So today I'm here with Lilith. Hello. And we're going to be talking about racing, zooming, Mm -hmm. dice throwing uh, with Cubitos and Longshot the Dice Game. So first things first, the thing that instantly came to my mind when we said we were going to talk about both of these games is... I had this inherent feeling with Kibitos of, oh, God, there's so many things to set up. <laughs> and then with Longshot of, mm, does it really feel like you're doing things with other people? And after us both playing both of those games quite a lot today, I don't feel that way at all. Kibitos was really quick to set up. And so many things was happening in Longshot and a couple of games that we played of that. I was like, there are so many things you're doing of interacting with other players and looking down at the board. So, first of all, we're going to speak a bit more about Cubitos, I believe. So, Cubitos came out in uh, 2021, in the joyous pandemic years. It's designed by John D. Clare. Uh, it won a few awards uh, at a few different places. It got the 2022 American Tabletop Casual Games winner. And was also nominated uh, for the Golden Geek Medium Game of the Year and the Cardboard Republic Daredevil Laurel nominee. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds like a very fancy award. Sounds very exciting. Very, very exciting. Anything that's got Daredevil in it is bound to have some sort of uh, hijinks as well. So, Cubitos, where should we start? Um, So, I'll do a quick rundown of the basic rules. Um, So, you're basically trying to race around a track and you do this by rolling dice you start with everyone starts with the same basic dice and then the main things that come up on those dice are feet which mean that you can move or uh coins which mean that you can then buy other dice and that's where it gets exciting because once you start buying other dice they've got cool abilities with them they can let you like sometimes move extra or um get extra money but also do things like moving through water which you can't do normally or um getting rid of unhelpful dice or adding helpful dice or giving you bonuses depending on what other things um you you have in your dice pool Um, and also protecting you because when you're rolling your dice once you get three hits three results on your dice if you continue rolling dice after that and get no hits on the dice you rolled then you have bust and you don't get nothing on that round Um, but then some of the dice can protect you from that so it's a very it's kind of you know a um mix of kind of an engine builder with a push your luck but there's also a lot of dynamism when it comes to the kind of engine builder Mm. element of it because lots of the dice when you get their ability you then put back so yes we'll probably talk about this later but i think that's one of the things that bamboozled me about the game to begin with yeah it's it's a fairly simple game, but there's lots of little different things that are going on, which can be a little bit hard sometimes to keep up with. Uh, for the, I think for the first game that we played, 
I I really done goofed and was not following the uh, the dice order when it comes to you you roll them you decide how many hits you keep if you're keeping your hits the ones that you decided that you weren't going to roll any further they stay in your roll pile the others go into your active you resolve any of your actions that you're doing with them and they go into your discard pile and then at the start there's a roll again pile I was not. Uh, I was just putting everything from my discard into the roll pile and was like, I never have to roll these terrible, terrible light grey and dark grey dice again. And that's completely wrong. You shouldn't do that. That's cheating. So don't be like Matt. <laughs> don't, don't be like me. I, I absolutely smashed the first game, but it definitely got harder once I wasn't cheating. I mean, it, you know, it was kind of embarrassingly close given um given how long you'd been cheating for it did get close towards the end i did stop cheating at that point <laughs> as well though so perhaps that could be why the catching up did happen but yes yeah, so there's lots of little things like that that are sometimes a bit hard to keep up with perhaps maybe that's not the best example as that is very clear when you actually you look at the rules properly and you look at your uh, your small board in front of you that's a bit of a reference but there's lots of different things that the dice do and the kind of iconography slash descriptions on the cards themselves that refer to the dice can sometimes get lost in its own jargon that then makes it a bit harder i I completely understand why they did it is to try and make it that there's just not a wall of information each time on those cards but unfortunately what happened a lot of times is that you don't quite know sometimes what it means when it's stating certain words and people have a different sort of idea of what those things could mean mainly with sort of now actives or this then equals thus that and do this again but aside from that what a load of fun absolutely so so we played uh, about three games today but we've played this previously with friends and those games we played in the past with friends i you cannot imagine how badly I did on them. So, you know, it's a, it's a, you have to go around a whole board of a racetrack. By the time everyone else was finishing, I was about a quarter of the way round and I was still there. Like, I mean, maybe this is just my competitive side needing to understand it, but I was just like, let's play again. Does everyone want to play again? Y- y- your last bus isn't for another like 15 minutes. We can go. <laughs> um, because it is just the way all of the different powers work together, the kind of, it gives you like little chances to make i think while a lot of the push your luck stuff comes just from rolling the dice there's also really interesting ways in which it gives you opportunities to bet big and absolutely win or fail there's shortcuts which you can do by getting a lot of things on one turn but which if you don't get those things then you are just left in the dust um there's particular combinations of dice which if they work well for you they are great but if they don't then you are just just nothing like there's um in one of the sets and I'll mention that in a second. Um, There's a dice which you can only do something with if you roll, if you get hits on two of them. So it does mean that you're often encouraged to go really hard for that one kind of dice 
and then just keep rolling to try and get pairs. Um, which, yeah, it, it's got a very fun mix of kind of encouraging you to bet big in multiple ways, not just a straightforward, you know, do you keep rolling or do you stop? Yeah, I think that particular one you were talking about was called Broken Cow. Mm. I believe the one with where you have to get two cat heads and then you can um you can then take any of the dice that are out that to buy, put out its active thing, in which uh something to also quickly explain. A lot of them have a thing where it doubles up the power or it gives you like a little extra thing basically, doesn't it? So that that can come really handy. I yeah, I think one of the great things that it does is it 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 doesn't force your hand to do this, but it very much goes Look at this big thing you could do if you do push your luck and you do, you know, you you go in hard. But also, you it, it may go terribly wrong for you. I think it does it really well on the tracks as well in terms of when you were saying those spaces like the teleporters and stuff like that. So basically, there's a couple of them of where uh, you can teleport and it, it'll take you ahead maybe sort of like 10 or 12 spaces. Mm. And generally where it is in the games, it's at a point where not too many people uh, have bought enough dice at that point in which they'll be able to do some sort of crazy combo where that amount of movement would usually be found. But the the downside to that is there's usually a fairly high payment. So you can go for it, but you, like you said, you may be stuck there for a little while trying to uh, hopefully pull off that big move for yourself. It, Yeah, my biggest worry with playing this again was that, oh god, yeah, if you are in last, it's going to feel like you're going to not really be able to pull back. I think in nearly every game, the person who is in last either got so close to to being, you know, either getting second or even tying the game. You did tie the game, I think, with one of them. Or to at least feel like you are not so far behind that it was completely wasted effort. It was more like, oh, if I just did one thing differently on one turn or if my luck was just slightly different i most probably would have been able to get through this and and done very well yes in both of the games we played in which matt didn't cheat um (laughs) everyone either crossed the finish line or got one within it on the same turn as each other which just felt like such an exciting kind of you know picture finish um especially when in one of those cases i was i was about maybe a fifth of the board behind matt and we ended up straight tying it was a good time yeah i think you moved 11 11 spaces yeah perfect just like the example i was saying and this was coming into sort of yeah the final leg of the the run wasn't it and i had been so far ahead for quite a long time and you uh you managed to have an ability that allowed you to roll all your dices each time and i hadn't really bought into this because you were already quite far ahead with those dice and it didn't feel i was already so far up the track that i was like it doesn't matter i don't need to worry about that when really maybe i should have if i didn't want that to tie there's 56 abilities within this game which is which is mental uh in terms of the the dice that you can pick up there's always eight different sort of factions of those in different colors and um they'll they'll all have different prices depending basically on what they do 
there's also in terms of what you get just in the box itself there is i believe 10 sort of races that it puts together for you itself and that will give you the selection of cards that you should be using in it and give you a track suggestion as well so out of the box you've already got so many things to try and get through and it sets them up a little bit to be like that you're doing tours of these so really you're picking up sort of the wings as you go which is a really nice way to do it i just don't think we've ever really had the time to do that i think we could do at some point though i would quite like to see how the tour to cube <laughs> would go of trying to see who gets the most at the end of it but yeah and then on top of that you can just start creating your own and start putting these together and start thinking of different interesting ways to uh, put these different sort of card powers or the dice powers really together. Funny game, isn't it, called Cubitos when it's all about dice, but dice are, dice are cubes, I guess. For a second then, I thought you were going to reveal to me that there was some deep, complex mathematical reason why dice weren't cubes, and I was about to have my mind blown. So I'm just going to imagine that that is what happened, because <laughs> that... Uh, I feel like the the revelation that dice aren't cubes would be... would, you know, change my life in a, in a deep way. Yeah, I, w I really wish that I did have, like, a, a fancy, interesting maths... Uh, conundrum like that for you or to be like actually this is why it's not a cube there most probably is something about it not being a cube but surely it has to be all the same in order I suppose maybe some definitions of a cube might involve the number of vertices it has and most cute and most dice have rounded corners therefore mm. potentially those don't count as like as points as I'm saying the word vertice like I'm 100% sure that that's the correct term but um sorry to my maths teachers if that is incorrect but you know maths maths yeah there is there is maths things about why it's a cube rather than a square but I don't have the brain power to really go through and understand that as much um oh yeah go on do you know why it's a cube instead of a square yeah, there is something that Cause comes Because it's, up on cause it's 3D. There you go. You crushed it. <laughs> the, the, it goes into like a far further yeah. explanation of it. And I was like, I, I can't pretend that I can fully <laughs> waft through that and know exactly what I'm talking about. Even though I'm sure lots of people are listening are being like, you're a goddamn idiot. <laughs> it's because it's 3D. So what's... I guess, yeah, I guess the problem me and you both have with Cubitos is it can be a bit of brain fog. Like, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but, yeah, it can be a bit of a fog of there's a lot of things going on at the same point. And because every everything's simultaneous, you're all doing everything at the same time, there's only a few certain points where that might slow down. That's if player one decides if they're going to be uh, pushing their luck again, they, they have to roll before everyone else rolls. Um, th that was one of the things that I cheated on. It's actually not play. Th this is you the classic thing. Liar. There's there's uh, there's a lot of little details, not only in how the cards interact, but like in the basics of the game, such as you know, if you do decide to roll one by one because you want to see what other people roll, in in one stage of the game, it's whoever has the most dice left, and in the other stage of the game, it's 
whoever's closest to the first player token. I see it. So it kind of it does have these little intricacies, which, because they are the way they are, make the game better. But when you haven't, like we've played the game five or six times, and still, pretty much every time, there's one or two little things which will send me back to the rule book going does it work like this or does it work like that which you know i love because there's nothing i like more than rifling through a board game rule book but does tend <laughs> to slow down gameplay a bit yeah definitely i was just looking through the the, the run phase timing rule and it's yeah occasionally players may wish to wait and see what the other players do before making a decision Alternatively, a tray may not have enough of the dice left for each player who wants to buy a dice of that type. In these cases, players must take turns resolving their entire move by and discard steps, beginning with the start player and proceeding clockwise. It very rarely happens, but um, if it was to happen all the time, the game would be a lot longer. But there's lots of points of when, yeah, when you're doing your buying stuff and all this, it's all happening at the same time. It's hard to always know what everyone else has done. And even though we're we're all like this in our group we we tend to say out loud what we're doing as moves just so everyone's got a bit of an idea but we're all doing that at the same time so basically we're all just hearing these weird echo chambers of i'm now going to buy also wizard dog and <laughs> you're just sort of like yeah okay that's that's fine because i've got to remember how many temporary gold i have because the dog face actually means free but that's also going to be temporary and i lose the dog i lose wizard dog uh, and it, as you can see, you've got about seven different dice doing these things, and you're trying to keep a bit... Now, it might be different for some of you. Some of you might be whiz kids with super good brains that can just have that all up there installed and ready to go, but the RAM in my brain gets clogged up very quickly and wants me to press Control-Alt-Delete as soon as it can so it can start to delete some of the other programs that don't need to be running at that point. So... Yeah, depending on how you are and how your groups are, but this this is super fun. It's a shame that it's only four players. I think that's the the only thing. I think this would be mm. interesting to see at six. Oh, that would be such such an addition to that though. But also, I was about to say because of all that, I would recommend if you were playing it for the first time. Uh, I mean, at least for the first time, if not for the first couple of times, maybe rolling at the same time. But then when you're doing, you're running and buying dice, taking turns on that, because that yeah. means it's so much easier to be like, right, this is the amount of money I have. This is what I'm doing. Everyone can see this. Um, does it seem like I'm doing the right thing to everyone else as well? Which I definitely have with it. Um, but yeah, it's, I think we've been talking about some of the more complex and um difficult bits of it but it is i cannot stress enough how fun it is to put those things together and yes i think as someone who really enjoys engine building games who enjoys kind of seeing how different things work together to you know optimize things <laughs> um i was when we the first couple of times we played it when i lost terribly like why isn't this working? Why why can't I make it work? And I do think it's because it has that element to it of your because it's got the elements of luck, because it's got the elements 
of losing dice that you've already gained, you have to kind of think a, li a little bit more fluidly in terms of this is what is good for now rather than... Mm. I ironically, um, I think when we first started the game, I was like, now my problem with, th with these kinds of games is that everything's good, so I just try and get everything without really focusing down and focusing on a, how a couple of things work together so then i tried to do that and because of the way this game works it crumbled beneath me so yeah it's fun in how it changes as it goes along mm -hmm. yeah i think that makes sense or maybe like the first one or two setups that it has because i think everything in it kind of nicely can give you something as just itself Whereas I think the some of the later races that it has as suggestions of what it puts together, it's very much more can you see that these combo together and how these work and definitely has a bit more of a you can do this, but here's the downfall of, you know, having that. Um, and we, d we haven't spoken about what happens when you bust. You don't get nothing. But you do, do get, get something. <laughs> yeah. So there's a little bleachers board and that has its own little track on it. And each time you go bust, you go one up on it and you will get either permanent gold or you will also get one extra dice to add to your hand. There are different spots on the board as well. Generally, usually, I think on nearly all of the maps where you can at least gain more fans. But yeah, so you're always getting a little something back for going bust I, I think almost you want to kind of bust early a couple of times to get up that track maybe a bit so then when it comes to the later game i don't know maybe not i've not won the most races i most probably am not the the high strategist for this i think you're the i mean i can say racer. that in the i think in the first game we ever played i think i got up to 10 or 11 on the fan track and every other game we've played nobody's got beyond three so um Going real hard for the fan track is definitely not a uh, a good... I, I did start to just be like, I don't care if I lose. I'm the underdog. Everybody loves me. They're going to make documentaries about me. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely what I think, though, where it's like the... the you need fans because if you don't have fans you're not going to uh you're not going to get back race number three very mm. much encourages collecting those sort of things oh i don't think we've uh no we haven't we haven't tried that one so we're definitely going to need to get that together yeah but yeah computers at the moment you can pick it up for about 43 pounds so it's a fair fairly pricey game i guess it's kind of in that sort of the tier of if I was to give it like the video game comparison of a triple A game, it's that kind of pricing. Or would it really? I guess triple A games and board games is like more of maybe the seventy nine pounds. I think there's a big varying degree, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. So I think it's a uh, mid mid tier. I wouldn't suggest opening this game if the people in your group haven't really played board games before. I think there's just a bit too much going on. I would introduce them to the game we're going to talk about next. And if they get on board with that, then maybe show them Kibitos, because I think that would be a, a good entry point. And maybe the perfect time for a segue as we talk about another dice-chucking game that's with racing. But this time, with betting. It's Longshot, the dice game. I don't know why in my mind there's like a... A crowd of applause, or maybe so. Maybe I'll put some like horse track noises. I think there is something to me, and this is gonna. This is either gonna sound ridiculous to you, or be like, yeah, yeah, this all makes sense. 
that horse racing feels very 70s to me. Mm. I don't know why. Horse yeah. racing is obviously still a thing. But it feels very 70s and also associated with like 70s game shows like bullseye or something like that so when you were like long shot i could see the you know the bulbs going off the uh the host is wearing a kind of velvet jacket with the kind of ruffly shell i'm not even sure this is 70s this might be 60s but um it's it's got it all definitely yeah i think maybe there's lots of if I'm thinking of like Columbo and different things like that, there's lots of oh something was happening at the at the at the races, that mm. kind of thing. It definitely makes me think that. Although I do have to say, Bullseye came out in 1981. Actually, it's not from the 70s. Mm. <laughs> uh, but Longshot, the dice game. So this is a revamped version of. Um, I want to get his name right, Chris Handy. For some reason, in my mind, I was like, his last name can't be Handy, Matt. You just you just made that up. Of his the the first game I think that he got published, which was just called Longshot. I've never played it, but it's uh, so some people enjoy it. But this game, oh boy, lots of people got excited about it. Oh, do you know what we're idiots, Lilith? Do you know what when it's set? It's set in the nineteen thirties era horse racing. Just in our minds, that meant the 70s. We we just sort of plopped it along that little bit further. It's the people in that stand, isn't I it? I was going to say, I was going to say the bits. You get this little... Wait, once again, yeah, both games come with the bleachers. But this one, it has far less kind of game mechanic in it. It's all does it at some th- point. Yeah, on the back end is like the solo... Uh... Uh, it's like the solo bot version, which is Mr. Ro- Roland Wright. Uh, it's his sort of little game mm. card. So when you're just playing by yourself, um, you have that. But th- so then you have no fans because it's just you oh. and a sort of old timey capitalist staring you down as you bet your your life savings on the races. Outstanding. But, oh. I, I I love <laughs> the idea that this is like the main game is like a big race day. It's like yeah. you know it's Ladies Day at Ascot or something. So. So there's you're there with all of your friends. You're all betting. There's loads of fans in the in the stadium. The solo game. It's a failing racetrack anyway. You're there at ten o'clock on a Tuesday morning. It's you and one other guy, and you hate each other. Yeah, you always see each other because it's only you two that are ever mm. there. So it's it's just the two of you going absolutely nuts for it. But what what happens in long shot the dice game? Do you want to go through a bit of the rules? Yes. So you have, uh, you each have a really lovely little board um, with loads of stuff on it. You've got spaces to bet. There's a little kind of bingo card. There's spaces to mark off helmets and jockeys. And really importantly, this is an erasable board. You get a nice little felt tip pen with a with a kind of rubby off thing on the top i could spend my whole day just putting little marks on the bingo and then rubbing it back off Mm, lovely um but each turn you have eight horses on a racetrack each turn you roll two dice one of them gives you which horse you're affecting and the other one gives you the number of spaces it is moving you move that main horse and then that pulls some other horses along with it a little bit 
Um, and then you have a number of things you can do. You can bet on the horse. You can cross off its number on your bingo card. You can buy its helmet or jersey, which give you extra little um, bonuses, such as meaning another horse gets pulled along by it, or allowing you to bet on it later in the game when you can't bet on all the horses. Um, and then you, or you can buy the horse. At the end of the game, the person who wins is the person who gets the most money. You can get the money by winning bets. You can get the money by a horse you own um, winning or coming second or third. You And you can get the money through owning a pair of both the jersey and the helmet for a certain horse. And then there's some particular powers on horses that you own that could give you extra money as well. And that's how you play the game. That's how you do horsey, horsey, racy, racy. Yeah, so this is the non-Kickstarter version, which comes with three different sets of horses that you can play with. The Kickstarter one, I think, has about two two or three more that come with it to sort of give you some more sort of interesting different powers and bonuses. Yeah, it's uh, so it's a roll and write. You you chuck you chuck a dice that will cor- uh, correlate for the horses themselves of which one you're moving, then the other one for the for the movement of the horse itself going from one to three. It's yeah, it's a romp of a little game. I'd say about twenty five minutes, twenty between twenty and thirty minutes. I'd say is like the average time. It definitely gets quicker the more that you play it because everyone just sort of zones in on what they're doing, and um, yeah. There's lots of different things in order for you to be making more money. There's never, it's very rare that you have a turn where you're not doing anything that is going to benefit or help you. But you do need to worry if those, if you're not doing the most optimal thing, because obviously everybody can do well. So a lot of your turn is spent being like, hmm, is that going to get me the most money? Lilith already does have a few jerseys and helmets. She's already $15 up on that. I've not even got that. And then you start to see how much money you're going to get if your horse wins. Obviously, um, the horses further along the tracks. So number eight has much better odds than number one. One is on the inside of the track. Number eight is right at the other end. Uh, yeah, I was, I was super excited when I heard about this game because it was exactly the kind of thing I wanted. I wanted something where everybody's just going a bit nuts and is betting on lots of different things but then that there's also lots of different weird little powers that can chuck you horses back yeah i think one of the things we were talking about the little concession bingo that's a uh four by four and then if you get four in a row or four in a column that will make sure that then you can use the special bonuses there's things like gaining just seven dollars putting on a free bet uh, moving two horses a couple of spaces forward, moving a few horses back a few spaces, getting a horse for free. So a lot of it's timing, isn't it? I've 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 found if you go in too hard on concessions when you begin, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot a little bit. You kind of want to try and uh, wangle f- some of the other stuff really and leave that for last. How yeah? How do you find it? Um, I I'm going to go on a very short tangent first. Because I realised when you were talking about what was on the back of the stand, I heard you say, ah, well, that's the solo game where there's Roland Wright, the 
capitalist who you're playing against and I'm like oh Roland Wright this character has a name um and it was only when you said it again that I was like roll and write the way that you play the game but it's a big pun yeah his, his... oh oh but he actually is called Roland Wright he's called Mr uh, Roland Wright oh fantastic I thought I'd just misheard you but oh but no it's it I love that I love that no, it's no. great you, you um, just had the pun creep up on you there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it took me unawares. But yes, the thing... So yeah, you were talking about um, optimising the game and mm. strategies. I think the biggest thing that makes it fun, that makes it difficult, that makes you sit there going, there's only a couple of different things I can do. How am I breaking down about this? Um, is that quite often... Something which will benefit you will also benefit someone else because everyone can bet on all the horses. So if you've got a big bet on a, on a horse and you really want it to win, but then someone else buys it or someone else bets on it loads as well, it's this balancing act of am I going to benefit from this more than other people are going to benefit from it? From it? Um, or trying to be like, oh, I've got quite a big bet on this horse. But Matt's just bought that horse. So hopefully he's going to be trying to push it forward. So maybe I can just ignore that and let that bet sit there. And it might come good in the end, just from Matt kind of like racing to the finish. But Matt started to bet on a horse that I own. Will it be better than, you know, the the um, meme of the woman kind of staring around? Or the, um, or is it Zach Gallup? I've forgotten his surname. In The Hangover. Zach Galifianakis? Yes, where he's watching all the numbers move in front of him. Yeah. But you, you get moments like that, and then you get moments where you're like, I'm going to buy a horse because it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or you're just really excited because you've realised that actually you put that jersey on earlier, and now the horse that you brought earlier will be also moving one space mm. ahead. Yeah, I, yeah, it's fine. It's also... A, thinking of when to maybe give up on a certain thing that you're doing and going, I think I'm just going to jump on to what Lilith's really pushing for or some of our other friends that are doing so you can still sort of reap the benefits. But for a game that's about betting, I seem to always forget to bet on the horses. Uh, I've managed to get the number eight horse over the line between second and third in two games and was really excited about it because I bought that horse as well only to realise two spaces before before it's going to pass that I hadn't put any bets on it and so I just kept putting like two dollars on it and being and just being so down on myself of going that's not really going to bring anything in when if I really if I just went for it a bit harder to begin with that would have got so much money because the odds for number eight if you come in first, it's times nine, then times eight and times seven. So to give that sort of like compared to some of the sort of the first horses, that's five, four and three for the first two. So you get so much more for it. Even if you're getting it in third, you're doing well. You're doing better than what you would if not if the first horse went in at number one. So there's there's definitely elements of this. But that's the thing. There's there's so many choices of what you can do each time. You, what, what you think is going to be the best idea it sometimes doesn't work out and you you only realize it as you're getting towards the end but yeah it's a wonderful game i would like to see what it's like we've only played it 
between two to four players at most. I'd love to see it when there's a few more of you on the board as well, because I think there's a lot more room for shenanigans and things like that. It's uh, You can now also widely get it again. It was kind of out of stock for a little while. You can now pick it up at most places for about £25 for the standard edition. I would highly recommend this game, even if you aren't really a big fan of roll and write games. I think there's a little bit more in this game than there is in some of the others where people find that kind of thing a bit more dry. I think I think the betting scenario that comes in it really helps to sort of give it a different lease of life compared to other roll and writes. Yeah, I think there's a lot more interaction um, yeah. where, you know, you can sabotage other people's horses and so much of what you do is based on what other people are doing i can really imagine taking it to the pub it's a pretty small box and because you have that element of while there are better and worse things you can do you can always do something that's going to be good for you even though it has that little bit of complexity i think it anyone who's kind of up for a game even if they don't play a lot of board games would would get a lot out of it yeah yeah i introduced this to my mom when she was up and she doesn't really play any kind of games she got into it there was a lot of times where she just kept looking at us and going so what should i pick but once she got the hang of it she got into it very much was like no that's my horse and my horsey will be doing the winning today so yeah, I definitely think it's a great introduction to board games and to get people sort of onto that next bit. So then you can show them Kibitos and then get some horrendous combos against them. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think now really, Lilith, I think Ooh. it's uh it's quiz time. It's quiz time. So we've both got some some questions. Hopefully we will both have some answers. Hey Lilith, which way around should we do it? Do you want to go first or second? First. Nice, excellent. That's going to work perfectly. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, um, I will begin with a question about the 1904 Summer Olympics, the men's marathon, setting the scene. We are in St. Louis, United States. 32 athletes set off from the starting line, how many complete the race? And this is a marathon. This is a marathon. In the Olympics. Mm. It feels like it's going to have a silly number, and I'm not sure. So I'm going to go with eight. Oh, well, they managed to do a little bit better than that. They 14 completed the race. Okay, well, Though, was... it could be that only eight of them, I'd believe that only eight of them ended up still being valid because the the uh, initial winner, the person who cro crossed the finish line first, was named, was named Fred Laws. He was later disqualified. Do you want to have a guess at what he was dis why he was disqualified? Ooh, does he have like a brother or something like this that managed to sort of like tap in for him and nobody kind of saw the difference? No, but that is the exact kind of thing I would expect to happen from this race. No, he um, hitched a ride for part of the race in a car. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. I, mean, I, to be fair, I didn't feel too far off. Yeah, I too, you, I, you were in I was the, right the right direction. Way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So here's your first question. Mm -hmm. What is 
the longest odd priced winner in horse racing history. And a fun little fact for you, the odds that broke this record were equaled this year. Could you repeat the question? <laughs> Absolutely. What is the longest odd prized winner in horse racing history? So what what was the biggest yeah, who had yeah, the yeah. odds? So I'm looking for the name of the horse. No, no, you're you're trying to get what are what, what was the, the odds? odds are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if it was what is yeah, yeah. Um and it's the same as the year that it happened in. No. No, <laughs> no it's wow, the same you, as this year. As yes, yeah, so someone this... had the same odds this year and won. So they, they oh, equaled oh. that record. I know a lot about horse racing, as you're gonna be able to tell from this answer, and I'm gonna say one in two hundred and fifty. Very close. Oh my goodness, I know so much about horse racing. The record is three hundred to one. Mm. So the fourth, the first, the fourth horse, the first horse to do this, uh, it was called He Knows No Fear, mm. but apparently knew lots of fear. Uh, in the race before this one, it sort of didn't go over any of the jumps. It was like I'm not having any of this. Um, and I want to say another fun little fact about it is the the owner is also the person that sort of brought the horse up and things like that. It's like one of the only horses in which the owner has done every part of the horsing bit other than the racing. But yeah, and then that was equaled uh, this year on the 24th of May by a different horse whose name is Sawbuck. So yeah, really, really recently that was equaled. So that's a fun little fact and that's horse racing. Well, that's horse racing, folks. Okay, um, me, me next, me next. Um, so, staying with a marathon, um, quite famously, I think, the rate, the distance um, of this race is named after uh, the Battle of Marathon, where a messenger was sent from the Greek army back to Athens to kind of let them know about some very important changes in the battle. And he supposedly ran the distance of a marathon and then dropped down dead when he got there. So this was when Greece was defending against an invading army. Who was invading Greece? Mm. So was it the Persian army? It was indeed. All right. Well, hopefully so you can still be within this race. <laughs> one of one of the uh, dice, uh, dice powers within Kibitos is called Fat Cat. What is the weight in either kilograms or stone for Guinness World Records' fattest cat? I think... Maine Coons are real big. Um, I think nine kilograms. More than double that chunk. It's <laughs> 21.3 kilograms. Oh, that's a fat cat! 3.35 stone. Oh, that's a fat cat. Himmy, who lives in Queensland, is the heaviest recorded cat. Yeah, that's a that's a hefty chunker. I do like as well for the audience that cannot see this that the whole time Lilith was debating this, she was sort of making varied gestures of length of cat and then sort of giving them a bit of a raise up and down each time <laughs> to sort of like really feel what <laughs> what the heaviest cat could be like. So yeah, nearly just a just a just a <laughs> just, just a double and a bit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and then you would have been there. 
I know far less about cats than I do about horse racing, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so are we keeping the marathon sort of uh, theme with you? What's the, what's yes, next I do. I, I didn't kind of mean for them all to be marathon. They're not all marathon. Only oh. three of them are marathon questions. God, man. Out of? Um, out of a total of four. <laughs> the okay. fourth one is about an ultra marathon. Completely Sugar. different. Um, yes, the next question is when was the last time that the marathon world record was broken uh for men's marathon i want to clarify that, that was literally a few days ago it was indeed yesterday it was yesterday it was yesterday Damn. i hadn't i hadn't managed to completely miss this and then as i was doing research for the questions i was like what that dude beat his own record yeah i can't remember by how much it mm, do you know by how much? Yeah. Do you want to give it a guess? I'm going to give it a wild stab. I don't think it was quite... I think it's got a three in it. I think it's... I think 30 seconds might be a bit too much, but I'm going 30. Yeah, that's quite right. By 30 seconds. That was Elliot Kipchoge at the Berlin um, Marathon. Beat his own record by 30 seconds. He started the first, I think it was 10 kilometers of the race. He was on pace to do a sub two hour marathon. Um, but then he slowed down a little bit towards the end, but which like, God, he was just <laughs> like, like, just, you know, <laughs> so I won't beat it by too much because then, you know, what, what am I going to do next year? Quite. Yeah. Do it, he's going to do it each year. So mm. then hopefully he can start getting, uh, getting some of those good sponsorships. All right. So like, do I get, do you reckon a point for that? Yeah. I mean, I was, I, I didn't quite, you, yeah. Nice. No, nice. I think you get a point. Hell, I mean, I didn't know we were doing points. You know. well, I, I thought so, we were doing it for the love of the game. You know, like, <laughs> no, someone's got to keep since, score. Since I've not got any points, I thought we were doing it for the love of the game. It's just for the love of the game. I'm going to definitely be putting a ding or maybe an uh-uh. <laughs> oh, no. So, keeping on with racing then, and I'll come back to my mm-hmm. final Kibitos one. Who has the most Formula One wins? Lewis Hamilton. Ding ding. Okay, Absolutely. I'm really glad with, that I didn't say my what immediately came to my head then, which was Michael, Michael. Hamilton. Oh, close. You <laughs> mixed the two together. Yeah. Oh, Michael it, Schumacher is yeah, the yeah, other yeah. one. Yeah, no, in my head I was just like, yes, Michael Schumacher Hamilton. Lewis. And I was like, hmm, that's not that's not his name. That's and I was and I was like, you could just say Hamilton, but like tried to commit but yes i i got a point now it's really about the point it's really on yeah lewis hamilton 100 feet michael schumacher 68 so he's absolutely smashed it but i think i don't know it might but i don't really watch formula one racing but in my mind it's still like schumacher was the best that has ever been but yeah i suppose maybe he was was he like further through his career when we were like teenagers and Lewis Hamilton was more starting out and I feel like that was the age when I just heard about Formula One more yeah I think Schumacher would have been sort of like finishing up his career when I was maybe sort of like 13 12 I could be wrong but I want to say like he was most probably like winding up at that point and Hamilton would have most probably just have been started and Hamilton I think started racing or like being in F1 from a very very young age mm. so he's he's just got more time to do that really yeah so in 2019 jasmine paris won the montane spine race this is a race that is 
268 miles long, the which is, um, to give a rough, rough estimate, the distance. This isn't where the race takes place, but just in terms of points people might know are a long way away from each other. That is about the distance from London to Aberystwyth or London to uh, Plymouth. The, this takes place in winter. It's you travel from England to Scotland during the race. Competitors have one week to complete it. Um, and in it, you climb over... I've lost this statistic, but I seem to remember it is... The amount of climbing you do in it is over the height of Everest. Um, and... And what was the name of the race again? Spine something. It is the Montane Spine Race. Do you know why it's called the Montane Spine Race? I Did Montane break his spine because he kept trying <laughs> to go up too many goddamn hills? Probably, probably. <laughs> um, but yes, so in 2019, it was won by a woman called Jasmine Paris. Well done, Jasmine. The um, For reference at that time, the um, female race record was 109 hours, 54 minutes. The um, male race record was 95 hours, 17 minutes. Um, with, I'd say, a plus minus of three hours, how many hours do you think Jasmine Price did it in? 103 hours. You are... 20 hours out she did it in Damn. 83 hours 12 minutes and 23 seconds beating the previous uh, male record by 12 hours um this is still i imagine one of not that many races where the female record still stands as kind of faster than the male record there's another little extra question for you oh. um at her kind of stop-off points, Jasmine Price had to do something which probably most other competitors in long-distance running races don't have to do. Do you want to have a little guess what it might have been? I feel everyone needs to pee and poop, but maybe they don't poop as much. Maybe they eat stuff that stops them from pooping. I know that like lots of long-distance racing and, this, and also when it's like car racing, they have like a little like pee packet thing that they have in there. So like, you just don't need to worry about that. Maybe they have diapers as well for the poo. It's a bit intense. I'm going to say maybe she, she, um, no, it's going to be something silly. She had to, she had to buy a cup of tea. Um, she had to express milk because she was still breastfeeding while what? at that point. Oh, she this was all intended so to wean her baby before the uh, before the race happened, but it was ill, and whoa, she whoa. was still. Oh, she okay. didn't take the baby on the race. I, was I need say, to. She was expressing milk, you know, kind of with the. I she's I'm making like, hand gestures. <laughs> she smashes the record, and she's also breastfeeding a baby. That would be. I, Jasmine's still well done I, I could do what you did but if you manage to do that whilst also feeding your baby maybe next year maybe if you ever do maybe if you ever do the spine what was it the, the, the montane spine, spine. You, you up for that next year Matt maybe we could do that as a, as a podcast I know? can do two two laps of the park so far <laughs> I don't know if I can do that alright yeah. then so this I guess this is the decider then if you get this you've you've won 
I thought I'd tied at this. I feel like you got far more points than I did. You Maybe. Oh, you knew oh, the Persians. You oh, knew something oh, else. Oh, sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely... I'll. So, yeah, if you do this, you tie. Cool. So I'll, I'll give you the easier question. Mm -hmm. The front cover of Cubitos is very much the sort of... Uh, the sort of... It is the sound of music vibe, isn't it? Of the very alpine. Very alpine. So what is the most popular Swiss cheese? Because it is a cheese on the cover as well. That's the <laughs> <laughs> that that was the most prominent part of this. That was the the core part of this question. <laughs> because Sound of Music is a cheese. <laughs> it took so long to get there. I should have started with cheese. Um, Edam. No, it's Emmental. Ah. Uh... I don't know if he. Is Edam Swish? Swish? swish. It's very <laughs> Swish. I think it's very words. Swish. I think it's very chic. I think it's very yeah. a la mode. So, uh, Edam is Holland. Ah. Damn you, Holland. There we go. Well, heck. So I... I, win the, I never win quizzes, by the way. The more that we that we do this podcast, if it turns out that I end up getting the better win ratio on this, I'm going to be staggered. But a little clap for me. Well done. Thank you. Thank you, me. And thank you, Lilith, so much for hanging out with me again and talking about games. Thank you for hanging out with me. So, yeah. Um, stay tuned for another episode. I don't know in what order these are going to be, but when it comes, it will come. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.